Good morning, church. Uh, today is Father's Day, and happy Father's Day to the fathers. Happy Father's Day to our father who is not here today, and I will commit him in the hands of the Lord. He is not feeling well, but he's recovering. So this morning, I'm honored to standing uh, in his shoes and just proclaim the word of God this morning. Um, so this morning, as we start, I'll be dealing with a subject that I've entitled, His Word Bearing Fruit in Our Lives. His Word Bearing Fruit in Our Lives. Shall we pray? Our God and our Father, we are so thankful this morning that, O oh Lord, you have called us to the table. That, O oh Lord, we may receive grace and mercy even in time of need. We commit him, the, the, the manservant, the father of this house, was not feeling well, that, O oh Lord, you may extend your grace, your healing grace even upon him. O oh Lord, you may sustain him. Your word says in the book of Psalms 10720 that you sent your word and healed our infirmities. Lord, we commit him, O oh Lord, unto you, that, O oh Lord, you may strengthen him and heal him in Jesus' name. We pray for they that are listening to this word this morning. O oh Lord, may you give them the hearing, uh, the reception, O oh Lord, to receive your word this morning, that you allow your spirit, O oh God, to go before us and help us even to understand your word and put this word into practice, that this word may bear fruit even in our lives. Lord, we give you thanks and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning, um, I'm so thankful, like I've said, to stand on behalf of our Father uh, for this privilege that you have given me this morning. Uh, I'll start reading from the book of Luke chapter 8, verse 4 to, um, to 8. The Bible says, While a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground, and when it came up, the plants withered because there had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still others fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. When he said this, he called out, whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. And uh, Luke 13, verse 6, which you may not have on the bulletin, uh, to 9, Luke 13, 6 to 9, the Bible says, he also spoke this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it and found none. Then he said to the keeper of his vineyard, Look, for three years I've come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none. Cut it down. Why does it use, it, use up the ground? But he answered and said to him, Sir, let it alone this year or so until I dig around it and fertilize it. And if it bears fruit, well, but if not, after, you can cut it down. That's the reading of the word this morning. Um, the first point that I want to deal with this morning, the word of God is like a seed planted. The word of God is like a seed planted. Uh, week in, week out, our father has been preaching the gospel in this place. Uh, he has preached messages. Uh, he has invited resource persons to come and help preaching in this ministry. We had times when ministry has extended to three days where we have listened to the word of God. 
all that effort is to, to ensure that we receive the word of God, which is like a seed to be planted in our hearts. Uh, Jesus goes on to explain the parable that I just read earlier in the book of Luke chapter 8, 11 to 15. Uh, the Bible says, this is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on good ground, on good soil, stands and by the noble and good heart. Who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. So the first point that I begin to look at, the word of God is like a seed planted, like the parable has given us. So what is the seed? The seed is that word that, is, that comes to us. And the ground is the hearts of men. So we have been given different types of ground there. Uh, but one of the ground that we've seen is a good ground, a good soil that bear fruit, become productive. In other words, do what the word says. That is a good soil. From the book of Luke, we've seen how that parable has been explained, but also have from the book of Mark. Mark has a different language that he uses, a little bit different, speaking to the same thing, when he, he shows us the different type of soil that is shown there in the book of Mark 4, verse 14 to 20. The Bible says, this farmer sows the word. Uh, so the seed has been explained to be the word. Some people are like seed along the path. So he explains the people are like the seed sown along the path, which is the soil, the type of soil along the path, where the word is sown. As they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. So, meaning there is a type of uh, the heart of men when the word of God is preached to them, the enemy comes to steal. The Bible says in the book of John 10.10, 10, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But have come so that you may have life and have it more abundantly. So what the enemy does is very shrewd. When what then I know planted in our hearts, he comes to take away the word from us. I wouldn't know what, then I know that the enemy is a liar. So the, the thing that the enemy would do is to begin to lie to us. Even the word of God is preached to us. Uh, it begins to undermine the word that is given to us. Uh, we see that in the, in the Garden of Eden when the word was given to Adam and Eve, how the enemy came to undermine Eve by beginning to, to manipulate the word of God that was given to them. Uh, did God say, when you eat, you shall, you shall be like him? So, meaning to doubt the word of God. So, Satan comes to take away the way that was sown. This is a kind of seed that is sown along the path, just by the wayside. He goes on on verse 16. Others are like seed sown on rocky places. Rocky places. They hear the word and at once receive it with joy. 
So we have times when the word of God has been preached to us. We are so joyful. We are so excited. We clap. We say amen. And everything else that comes with the word that has been preached. The problem is not the message. The problem is the ground where that message goes. The problem is the reception of that word. Has that word been received or is that word being undermined? So such joy that comes when the word of God is being preached, it's important to be joyful when the word of God is given to us. I was glad and very glad when they said, let us go to the house of the Lord. So we are called to be glad when we come to the house of the Lord. Verse 17, but since they have no root, so the big issue is no root. They last only a short time. The word that has received has been received. We are so joyful. We clap our hands. We talk about the word, but we have no root. In a short time, we're in trouble. Persecution comes because of the word. They quickly fall away. That is a problem. We have no root. Uh, the word of God falls away. Verse 18 says, still others are like seed sown among thorns. They hear the word that takes away the word of God. The deceitfulness of wealthy. So wealth can deceive us. We can be so wealthy and the wealth that we have deceives us. Uh, we even neglect what the word of God tells us. We even uh, miss even our identity. We do not be begin to identify ourselves with the things that we possess. So in verse 18, he says, Still others are like seeds sown among thorns. They hear the word, but the worries of this life, there are so many worries we can, we can have, and those are the things that can actually take away, it can choke the word of God. It says, the worries of this life, the destructiveness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word of God. Choke the word. Choke the word, making it unfruitful. Because the important thing about listening to the word of God, that when we hear this word of God, this word must bear fruit. But what happens is that that word is being undermined by the things that we experience even as we listen to the word of God. There in the book of Mark, we see that uh, we have been, it has demonstrated that the worries of this life and even the desires for other things can choke the word, making it unfruitful. Now, verse 20 gives us, others are like seeds sown on good soil. They hear the word, number one. They accept it. Like I, I'm sharing the word of God, you accept it. And then he says, and produce a crop. Some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. In this world, as we see that there are so many things that can undermine the resource that has been given to us in the form of word of God. Every Sunday after six days on the seventh, we come here. The question is, that which is being delivered from this pulpit, how is it affecting our lives? How is that word uh, impacting our lives? The way we walk, the way we move, the way we live. How is that uh, word impacting our being? Because the book of Acts says, in him we live, we move, and have our being. So the question is, our father is preaching every day. And with the preaching, I can testify with you. I was asked to prepare the message last night. Preparing the message, it takes time. It takes time. And you have to submit for this bulletin to be produced. So it appears that you may have to spend a little bit of hours overnight 
to try and prepare something to share. It's like a food that has been prepared in a kitchen. When it's been prepared and they bring on the table, then the children are saying, we don't want to eat. I don't know what the mothers feel. I don't know what the mothers feel. Sometimes I begin to bribe my children that if you eat, I'm going to do something for you. It's for them just to eat because I know that when they eat their food, that food is going to help them in terms of nutrition. They will grow. They will be balanced in the way they live. It's the same thing when it comes to the word of God. The word of God has been prepared, then people shun the word. The word of God has been prepared, then the word of God is choked. The word of God has been prepared, that word does not bear fruit. Those who have cooked that food uh, become sad. They, it, it becomes a, a sad story. Now, when we talk about uh, the wealthy of this world, that can become so deceitful to our lives and making the word of God unfruitful, choking the word of God. There are different spheres of wealthy we find out there. And wealthy, no, normally we define wealth in terms of money. Uh, I started accounts, I'm a chartered accountant on the other side. Uh, I define wealth in terms of the resource that we have in the business. So if you look at the balance sheet of uh, the business, which is, a, which is a statement of financial position, uh, businesses that operate usually, they will have resources in terms of how the business must run. And therefore, they'll be looking at assets in terms of those which are fixed and assets which are those which are current. The fixed assets are those which are long-term assets like buildings, you have uh, cars, you have equipment, you have uh, all sorts of equipment that are fixed. We can call them even immovable assets. But assets can also be those which are current assets or those that are liquid in nature, meaning they can be, they can be changed easily into cash and they call cash as a liquid resources because it can easily evaporate. Ecclesiastes and Proverbs, money can fly. Why? Because it's liquid. So in terms of uh, the tangible assets, things that we can touch, as compared to the money that we receive, most of, more often than not, there is a misinterpretation of what wealth is. We call wealthy one who has got a, a clip of money. They have a lot of money. They are so wealthy. They have prospered. Now I ask a question. A thief who has stolen money from the bank and is having that money, is that man wealthy? Maybe that's a question to ask. A, a person who has been moving in life that is questionable, they have money. Is that man wealthy? Probably that's a question to ask. So that wealthy can deceive our lives and even choke us and choke us, block us from receiving the blessings God has given us. So you have wealth in terms of money, in our own explanation. Others have got wealth in terms of the social relationships, uh, good relationships, family, friends. Uh, people say you are poor if the only thing you have is money. You are poor because there is another wealth dimension that talks of how we have social networks, interaction, like the house of God that we have. We have the home where we have parents, our mother, our father. So there is a setup of a home where we are wealthy because we are connected to the family. God builds a family. And what God started with even in the, 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 the Garden of Eden was to build a family because that's the first wealthy that we look at. And it's this community, uh, what we, the community in which we live, that is wealthy. So you cannot live as an island. There's a community of people that we have dedicated to support that is riches and wealthy people that we have in the nation. Uh, there's wealth that is talked of generation wealthy. 
uh, area of generation, a, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children. So there's wealth that is left for the generation as we live today. We do not live for ourselves. We are living even for those that re remain after us. That's generational wealthy. So when people are living and they just look at themselves, they are poor because their sight is so limited, they just look at what they can have in their hands. Why can a man get a million dollars and go and invest in East Park and the payback period is going to be 1,000 years? Will that man live for 1,000 years? The answer is no. But why do I get the money and put in the more that when I build, the only time I'll re re receive or recap the investment will be after 1,000 years. How many years do people live? 40, 30, 50, 60, 80, our father said. But why do we have to invest in things that go beyond us? Why? Because of generational wealth. And that's the thing that even God looks at, that our focus, our sphere of how we look at wealth must begin to change. That wealth is not just the money. And we also look at wealth in terms of healthy. Our father was posting something yesterday about how we take for granted when we are okay. We can run, we can walk, we can laugh. But at times when we are not okay, uh, they, then we begin to realize that our healthy is wealthy. Our healthy is wealthy because when you're not healthy, you cannot do anything. So we begin to define wealthy in different spheres of our endeavors. So our healthy is very important. That's why you see people spend money in going for physical exercises, running, uh, going to the gym. Others run. I've seen people running on everywhere. Some people go on a bicycle. Like yesterday, I went on a bicycle, and my bicycle broke down. I came back pulling it. The question I ask is that, why are we doing all these things? We have to look at how we live every day. We have to look at our hygiene. How do we define things? Dr. Sodu would give us a five golden rule. When we had the COVID here, he would come and outline things, right? Uh, we need to mask up. We need to wash our hands. Uh, no shaking hands. We religiously followed that. But the question is, how do we religiously follow the word that our father is preaching every Sunday here? So that when we receive that word, the moment we get and religiously follow that, that word, that word produces fruits in our lives. Moving further, we have to be ready even for God's wealthy. We have to be ready for God's wealthy. The God's wealth in the book of Luke 16, 11, the Bible says, so if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealthy, so meaning there's a dimension of what we call worldly wealth, right? He says, if you have not been faithful, trusted in handling world, worldly wealthy, who will trust you with, the, with these riches? Who will trust you with true riches? So meaning there is what is called world, worldly wealthy, worldly riches, but there is also what is called true riches. And he goes on, and if you have not been trustworthy with someone's health property, who give you property of your own? If you cannot be trusted in handling other people's property, who will, how, who will give you the property of your own? So there is a relationship in terms of how we look after other people's property and the relationship of how the, the determination how we should be able to receive that which belongs to us. Can we trust you with the wealthy, the true wealthy of the kingdom? Uh, Matthew 16, 26 says, what good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? So, the true, God has given us what is called the true wealthy. 
our being, our being, our living in him, uh, the way we live, that is uh, the wealth that God has given us. Uh, if you read the book of Ephesians 1, 16 to 18, the Bible says, Do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you uh, to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. There is what is called the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. God gives us two true riches. God gives us true riches. That is point number one, which is the word of God like a seed planted. Uh, that is the first part. The second part I want to go to is do not merely listen and just having a form of godliness. Do not merely listen and just having a form of godliness. The scripture in the book of James 1.22 says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror. And after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what it looks like. Verse 25. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. The scripture says, whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom. So the law of God gives us freedom. Jesus is speaking in the book of Luke 4, uh, 17 or 18. Freedom to the captive. So the word of God that comes to us brings freedom. And we must continue in that word. Continue in that word. And not forgetting what we have heard, but doing it. And he says, then they will be blessed in what they do. If we begin to ask ourselves the question, uh, I'm not blessed. It probably could be that what we have been given as a resource from the heavenly resource we have had, we have been given, all of us have received, but we have not used that which God has given us. It's a picture of Matthew 25 on the subject of talent. Uh, one man was given one talent. He did not explore that talent. He was not blessed. So even us, as we continue to receive the resource from the heavenly, we have to not forget that which we have received, but continue in that word, and then we do it, then we'll be blessed in what we do. Timothy, 2 Timothy 3, 2, 5, the Bible says, For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure, rather than the lovers of God having a form of godliness by denying its power, and from such people turn away. It looks to me that many of the times, the reason why we, the word of God is not productive in our lives, because we do not continue in the way that has been given us. We like the form of being children of God. We like that form. Some places, people become so humble when they go in church. The piety, you look so holy. That form the outside appearance. Some people look at the uniforms. We must wear uniforms for us to look like we are 
we are, we are part of the kingdom. But this is the power that comes with the way that is preached to us. We deny the power. The Bible says, from such people, turn away. 1 John 2, 4, 5, 1 John 2, 4, 5 says, whoever says, I know him. 1 John 2, 4, 5. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar. And the truth is not in that person. But if anyone who obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them, this is how we know we are in him. How do we know that we are in God? The Bible says, this is what we know that we are in him. Uh, we have to obey his word. The love of God will be truly made complete in us. This is the first part or the first test of knowing that we are in him. One of the tests that we have given even to our forefathers, uh, even our father would talk about uh, Abraham, the patriarch of our faith. Uh, when we pray, we say the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. One of the things that God would do to them was to test their obedience. And obedience can be tested to us. Uh, how is our obedience levels in terms of following that which God has commanded us? He says, if we, if we obey his word, the love of God is truly made complete in us. Abraham was tested and he obeyed God to the extent of even wanting to sacrifice his son. That was a test. And that test would come to us in many ways. It would come in our area of giving, uh, the tithing. The question would be, uh, we don't ask such questions when we come on the pulpit. How many of us are tithing? But the question is, you can answer within our hearts. The Bible says that uh, actually our hearts actually can condemn us. But to know that even when our hearts can condemn us, God is beyond our hearts. Because God is the one who searches us. The reason why probably our lives could not be fruitful is because we are hiding that which God has given to us by not bringing it back to him because he calls us in the book of Malachi, test me and bring the old tithes in the house so that they may be food in the house of the Lord. Test me in this so that to see whether or not open the windows of heaven. That God is testing us in the area of finances, in the area of how we manage even the wealthy God has given us. So much of the wealthy. There's a point in the book of 1 Corinthians 3, 5 to 8, to 8 that uh, talks about uh, in this place there was a competition between Apollos, and I think this was coming from the people themselves, not between Apollos and Paul, but the people were choosing which men they needed to follow when it came to delivering the message. Like, he, like all of us, we see out there people, they have men that they follow out there in Nigeria and Ghana. They even put stickers on their car. Then the question I ask, if those are their pastors there, who are their pastors here whom they don't even put on their car? Who they don't even put their stickers there? The question would be, here it says, what after all is Apollos? And what is Paul? Only the servants through whom you came to believe has the Lord as assigned to each his task. I planted, here it says, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants no, the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters having one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. So the subject of one planted, one waters. But who brings the increase? God is the one who brings the increase in our lives. Because when the word of God is, plant, is spoken to us, this is a seed that is planted in our hearts. And another person probably will come and speak He'll be watering that which has been preached to us. Our father has been planting, 
planting. So today I could just come and just water on that which he has been planting every day. I'm complementing that which he has been, measure, he's been uh, bringing out here so that God himself is the one then that can bring increase in our lives. So message preaching is not competition, it's complementing. So there is, a, there is a planting of the seed. There is a watering, another watering, until God himself brings an increase in our lives. I'll go to the third point. The third point, it says, being wise, it's putting the word of God into practice. So this message is kind of basic, and it's going back to the basics. Uh, so being wise is putting the word of God into practice. That's point number three. Luke 6, 46 to 49, the Bible says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? It says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I'll show you what they are like. They're like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice it's like a man who built a house on the ground without foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. If you read uh, Matthew 7:24, also speaks to that scripture, says, therefore everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it has its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house and said on sand, the rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with great crash. Now, our father has been building, and uh, most of the time when they build, they will do foundations. They will start with a foundation, they will build concrete, and uh, those who are experts, I know they're engineers, uh, 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 Mr. Mbeo here, and all that. We've seen how they do the building process. But also we have seen in some of the places where we live how people just rush to build. They will just scratch, scratch, and start building, building. Then you begin to wonder, what's a building? What type of building is that? Uh, when the rains come, it crashes. When it crashes, they will say, Boma uh, Yanganepo. Is that the term that we use? Now, the question you will ask, uh, what did you do from the beginning? Was there supposed to have a foundation? It's the same thing that a building that has been built without a foundation is doomed for destruction. It's the same thing for our lives. How are we building our lives? Uh, we'd be telling ourselves, for, for most of us who are young, the question we need to ask ourselves is that what is our foundation in the way we are living? If our foundation is built on lies, we will, be, we will sustain everything we do with lie. When you lie once, you want to sustain your lie with another lie. Before you need, you are lying every day. You become a liar. And the Bible says liars will not enter the kingdom of God. So the Bible speaks to us on how our foundation must be straight. Uh, on which foundation are we building? He talks about one who builds his life on the foundation. There's a song that we sing on Christ the solid rock I stand. Or others... Yeah, like sinking sand. On cross the solid rock I stand. Oh, others ground is sinking sand. Oh, 
other ground is sinking sand. So that song, uh, all other grounds are sinking sand because Christ is the rock, is the rock of our salvation. So if you build our lives on the rock, we are going to stand. Even when the torrent comes, the streams rose, and the rain comes, the wind comes, we will not fall because we are standing on the solid rock. The scripture in the book of um, Matthew 21, 28 says, But what do you think? A man had two sons, and he came to the first and said, that is Matthew 21, 28 to 32. The man had two sons. He came to the first and said, Son, go work today in my vineyard. He answered and said, I will not. He answered to the father, I will not go. But afterward, he regretted it and went. Then he came to the second and said likewise. And he answered and said, I will go, sir. But he did not go. Then the question was asked, the Lord is asking, which of the two did the, did the will of his father? Which of the two did the will of his father? They said to him, the first. Jesus said to them, Assuredly, I said to you that tax collectors and harlots enter the kingdom of God before you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But tax collectors and harlots believed in him. And when you saw it, you did not afterward relent and believe in him. This scripture talks of how when we hear the word of God, we don't just say, but, or we don't just say, Amen. We don't just clap our hands. We don't just say that was a powerful message, but it goes beyond describing what a powerful message is. It goes beyond saying amen. It goes beyond saying uh, this is something nice, but we go and do. In the time of Jesus, what we see, the men that were living lives that were on the condemned side of life, they are the people that were saved. Because when Christ came to them, they went and repented and began to do that which Christ himself said. Look at the life of Zacchaeus in the book of Luke chapter 19. Look at the woman who was caught in the act of adultery. All these people, they were affected by the word of God when Christ himself came to them. They repented. The tax collectors, or the, all the people that came, the man that was praying, Lord, have mercy on me, I'm a sinner. He repented and believed, and their lives were turned around. So the word of God can only have effect on our lives if we receive that word and then put that word into practice. So if we go back to our sermons, we begin to audit our lives and ask ourselves, all oh, that message that came to us, uh, how has it affected us? If the word has not affected us, then it means we have not been fruitful in the way we live. Very likely we'll begin even to condemn other people that they have, they have caused what we have become. Many times we do not uh, introspect our lives. We actually, uh, subs we, we actually delegate the problem to others. It's the it's Adamic nature in us. The Bible in the book of Romans 3.23, the Bible says, For all have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. It means many times when there's a problem with us, we always say it's that one who has caused the problem. We do not say, Lord, have mercy on me. I am a sinner. So this is, a, this is a challenge for me. This is a challenge for all of us this morning. I got to point number four. Um, point number four, the Bible says, meditate on the word of God day and night, and then they are right, prosper. Uh, meditate on the word of God day and night, uh, then you shall prosper. Uh, this speaks uh, to the example of the life of Joshua, 
Joshua is the son of Moses, who has been a patriarch, a father to Joshua. And Joshua, when Moses is no more, he has been given instruction in the book of Joshua chapter 1, verse 8 to 9. Uh, Sunday school uh, memory verse, this is one of them. Uh, it talks of, keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. If I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Uh, Joshua is being told to meditate on the word of God. Meditation does not just mean you wake up in the morning, five minutes you meditate. Meditation could even be you are, you are walking, you are going somewhere, the word of God remains with you. You are in a car going to Kafuet, going to Kitwe, you meditate on the word of God. And that becomes uh, the honey on your lips. It becomes something sweet that we are, we are so, uh, we have this affinity to the word of God. To recite the word of God, to memorize the scriptures. That's why in Sunday school we try to tell our children to remember the scriptures, to memorize those scriptures. To use the word of God in every situation. This is what Joshua was being told because he was a young man. And he was being told, look, for you to be successful, remain in God. Like we read in the book of John 15. For you to be successful, retain the word of God on your lips. For you to be successful, meditate on this word day and night. For you to be successful, be careful to do everything written in the word of God. It's like I'm sitting on my table and I'm speaking to my children. I'm telling them, look, uh, do you know what? Uh, the, 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 the life that we are today is a total sum of what our parents have been investing in us. Uh, so what I do today, there is a, there's a man behind who's a patriarch who has been investing this in us. So for you to be what you need to become, there is no guarantee that when we speak like that, our children will hear. Because they also want to go and try out something out there. Now, you as a parent, the, the, there's a subject we were discussing a few weeks ago, uh, the tendency for us parents, we begin to condemn ourselves. Maybe we did not uh, uh, teach our children. But the question is, there's a platform here where our father is teaching every Sunday, he's teaching. Sometimes he's not even well, he comes and preaches. Sometimes it's cold, we come. Uh, we have all this platform. Is it the delivery of the word to us? The issue is that we are not putting into practice that which we have been taught. And now, the, the moment we miss that, life has a way to teach us. We will be taught from the word of God. When we don't learn from the word of God, there is also, our Father will teach us the way the Lord teaches us. Also, trouble may come. God may use the trouble to bring us back. Also, the failure. God can allow us to go and fail so that we cry. It's a prodigal son. The father allowed him to go, and when he fell, he came back, and the father had open hands. Today's the Father's Day. That's a picture of a father. Now, there comes a time in our lives when even the people that have been given to us, we may not pick it from our homes. We go to our schools where we go. Teachers may be speaking to us, and God may use them to speak things in our lives, so we listen to them. Sometimes it could be that we have felt the enemy can also be used as a tool, like in the life of Job. We don't read anywhere where Job felt, but Job was let loose. Uh, the devil was let loose on Job. All those areas of life God teaches us. 
So we do not have to make all the mistakes in this life to learn. We can learn from the mistakes of others and learn. I use that statement when I'm teaching uh, students. We do not have to make all the mistakes uh, to learn, but we can learn uh, from the mistakes of others. That's why the book of uh, 1 Corinthians 15, if I'm correct, talks of how the things that happened to the children of Israel were examples for us for whom the combination of this age has come. That the things which were written in the Old Testament, how they failed, how they did not trust God, how there were 40,000 of them, is it 32,000 of them, I, could, I have to check up that number, died in the wilderness. It's because they did not retain knowledge in the things that God had given them. They, did not, they missed grace, and therefore uh, their lives were not, they did not profit from that which God gave them. If we look at the life of Joshua, uh, we could check some scriptures from the book of uh, We see how the life of Joshua and the children of Israel turns out that uh, after Moses had gone, we see how they crossed Jordan. Here is uh, God speaking to Joshua. I think if we read um, Joshua 3, verse uh, 5 to 8. The Bible says, And Joshua said to the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Then Joshua spoke to the priest, saying, Take up the ark of the covenant and cross over before the people. So they took up the ark of the covenant and went before the people. The ark of the covenant represented the presence of God. Verse 7, And the Lord said to Joshua, this day I will begin to exhort you in the sight of Israel that you may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. You shall command the priests who bear the Ark of the Covenant, saying, when you have come to the edge of the water of the Jordan, you shall stand in the Jordan. These were instructions. These were instructions given to Joshua. And if we go to the same chapter, verse 14 to 17, so it was when the people set out from their camp to cross over the Jordan, when the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people, and as those who bore the Ark came to the Jordan, and the feet of the priests who bore the Ark dipped into the edge of the water, for Jordan overflow, overflows all its banks during the old time of harvest, that the waters which came down from upstream stood still and rose in a heap very far away at Hadam, the seat that is beside Zeratam. So the waters that went down into the sea of the Araba, the salt sea, failed and were cut off, and the people crossed over opposite Jericho. This was a miracle that God performed through the life of Joshua. Remember, they coming out of Egypt, God actually also performed that miracle in the life of Moses for them to, to cross the Red Sea. Uh, if you read... Um, Verse 17, the Bible says, The priest who bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan, and all Israel crossed over on dry ground until all the people had crossed completely over the Jordan. The question one would ask, how much money did they pay for them to get that? That is the wealth that only God could give. So the definition of wealth is the things that God can perform in our lives without us paying anything, just having a relationship with God. Yes, there's wealth out there in the world. But the question is, what is our reaction to those wealth? Do we compare the wealth of the world in the world out there with the wealth that God himself gives? I think that's a question that we need to begin to ask ourselves. If you continue to read the book of Joshua chapter 5, verse 1 to 4, so it was when all the kings of the Amorites who were on the west side of the Jordan and all the kings of the Canaanites who were by the sea heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan 
from before the children of Israel until we had crossed over, that their heart melted and there was no spirit in them any longer because of the children of Israel. At that time, the Lord said to Joshua, make flint knives for yourself and circumcise the son of Israel again the second time. So Joshua made flint knives for himself and circumcised the sons of Israel at the, at the hill of the foreskins. And this is the reason why Joshua circumcised them. All the people who came out of Egypt were males. All the men of war had died in the wilderness all the way after they had come out of Egypt. All the elderly who had come from Egypt, they all died. There was just a young generation that remained. God was beginning to renew a covenant that he had so uh, to, to Abraham, that these people needed to dedicate their lives to him. Circumcision in our time would mean how we receive Christ, our Lord and Savior, and we begin to have a journey with him. Our lives begin to be transformed. If we read Joshua chapter 5, verse uh, 7 to 15, so Joshua circumcised their sons who, had, who he raised up in their place, for they were uncircumcised because they had not been circumcised on the way. So it was when they had finished circumcising all the people that they stayed in their places in the camp until they were healed. Then the Lord said to Joshua, this day I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. Therefore, the name of the place is called Gilgal to this day. The Lord rolled away the reproach to give them. Verse 10, now the children of Israel camped in Gilgal and kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month at twilight on the plains of Jericho. And they ate the produce of the land on the day after the Passover. And leavened bread and parched grain on the very same day. Then the manna ceased on the day after they had eaten the produce of the land. And the children of Israel no longer had manna, but they ate the food of the land of Canaan that year. And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and look, looked and behold, a man stood opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, are you for us or for our adversaries? He said to him, no, but as a commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped and said to him, what does my Lord say to his servant? Then the commander of the Lord, Hame, said to Joshua, take your sandal, your sandal off your foot for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. We see that even what happened to Moses when he had gone to the burning bush, this happened to Joshua, where Josh Moses was told to remove the sand on his feet for where he was standing was the holy ground. That encounter of the children of Israel began to tell us that even when they were moving in the, in the wilderness, God was performing miracles. But there came a time when the miracles God performed, the manna falling, the quails and everything, they had to stop. And now they had to begin to eat from the produce of the land. The question is, there are times when God feeds us like infants, he gives us milk. There are things that come to us like on silver platter like milk. But there comes a time when God wants to challenge us to begin to live in dominion, that he would want us to begin to eat from the produce of the land. And that's a place where God is calling us to a place of maturity. That now we begin to obey the word of God so that the word of God can produce fruit even in our lives. So when we do that, we know that God himself is going to cause the word, his word to, to bring prosperity even in our lives. They obeyed the word of the Lord. They did what God had commanded them. We can see the results in their lives. They began to live a life of dominion. They had to conquer the enemies around. They had to go and get the food. 
By them going to get the food, they are to fight. So God calls us to live a life of victory. So when we, we are sent out there, it is not we are being sent like, like sheep among wolves. So the world there is not, not kind to us. They will not give us uh, something different. The standard the world uses uh, will not be. They always want to use that standard. They are enemies of God. The world there is enmity to the things of God. Therefore, we have to be shaped in such a way that the word of God is in us so that the word can achieve that which God has sent it for. The, the book of 2 Peter 1, 5 to 11 says, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence, giving all diligence, hard to your faith, virtue, to virtue, knowledge, to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, to brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to the blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his hard sins. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. And for so, an inheritance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So we have to hide our lives. Once we receive one lesson, there has to be another lesson. We are being taught about having knowledge. We are being taught about self-control. We are being taught about perseverance. We are being taught about godliness. We are being taught about brotherly kindness. We are being taught about love. And these things are the things that must abound even in our lives, in order for us not to be unfruitful. The question is, if we are unfruitful in things that we do in our lives, it may very well be that there are certain things that we are missing. They, we are not missing because we do not have the food on the table. I gave an example. Our mother has prepared the food. The food is there, but we have not just gone there to take, take part in the food. Therefore, we miss out on the nutrients that we need to receive. The food that we eat is not just carbohydrates. The food that we eat is not just proteins. The food that we eat is not just one side. There has to be a balanced diet. So even the word of God has what is called the counsel of the word of God. The word of God will bring to us about the subject of love. The word will bring to us about joy. The word of God will give us gladness. The word of God will teach us on unity. The word of God will teach us on faith. The word of God will teach us on sacrifice. The word of God will teach us on the cup of water our father's been preaching. The word of God will teach us on how who will save us from the, the issues that we have in our lives. All of us have got issues. I check, just checked up something today when I was coming that last year, on the same day I was preaching, our father was in German on the Father's Day. And then I was wondering uh, what happened. Uh, I need to find out from our spiritual parents after this. Uh, the issue is, we have to be blessed if we remain in the word of God. The word of God here tells us, Psalm 1, 1 to 3, Blessed is a man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Whatever he does shall prosper. So we have to delight in the law of the Lord. What is the law of the Lord? The word of God. God gave the word, the word of God to Moses in the form of the law. And people now uh, decided to think that 
what is in the word of God is only law. God was using that to bring uh, to a place where they needed to, 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 to check themselves according to what he had given them. Because if you've seen the Old Testament, there were so many laws that came even after the Ten Commandments. That the law of God is the, the word of God itself, that we have to meditate on it day and night. Then we shall be like, it gives us a position, like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season. So that scripture ties up with our, our title of the message today, His Word Bearing Fruit in Our Lives. His Word Bearing Fruit in Our Lives. As I continue, there is, there is a place in the Word of God where we find how this Word of God that we receive must have effect on our lives. The question we can ask ourselves as we move, uh, what can people identify from us that we are children of God? What can people identify from me that I'm a child of God? I was amazed. Uh, I spent six, six uh, I would say six months with some, a week I was doing something, two hours with them, two hours with them. Then afterward, he sent me a long text. He was saying, are, are you just a, are you just a, a lecturer? Because I was lecturing. Are you, because the examples you were giving there was like, you were using the Bible. Are you also not a pastor? Then I said, okay, so this man discerned something from me. So I was happy. So we are going yesterday to, to some place, so we had a feeling session. So we are talking to a lady, I was asking her, uh, so here at the feeling session, you are working here. What experiences do you have every day? The customer comes, you save. Then this lady is saying, oh, I can tell you something. This morning, I was talking to the lady, she came. I said, mom, could you open for me the, the tank? This lady said, I'm not your mother. She just shouted, I'm not your mother. Then, and then I had to calm down. Then I say, okay, so, so what did you do? Says, well, it's me now who has to manage myself. Because every day somebody will come and say, oh, daddy, can I, you, you mean I'm a daddy? I'm not a daddy. So it means these people are saying, you're making me to look big. You're lo I'm looking old. And yet this lady was just giving respect. You know, they always say, daddy, you go in town, those young men in town, they will say, say father. You know, that word they use? Uh, they, they would do that because they want something from you. They are giving you respect. All you need to do is to discern that the reason they are saying this, they want something from me. It's kind of honoring you. So the way now I react. So now we were laughing. We said, look, uh, now, here now where you are, you are in ministry. I was talking to the young lady. You are in ministry because now that will be a beginning of a conversation to begin to ask yourself, what can you do to that uh, whoever mom who came? It probably would be that they had issues. It's a sign of the deep-rooted issues in their lives that actually brings out that which you saw. Now, it's not for you now also to react back to them and hit them. The thing you should do now is now for you to bring out grace to them. Just save them. Save them. You save them. Probably you, you smile at them. You, you talk to them. That is for, I worked in a business, a shop many years ago. One of the things they taught us was to smile at the clients. Sometimes we smile even when we don't feel like because that was a duty to smile, right? We were taught to be nice even when things are hurting inside of us because that's what the business would do out there. I worked in pep stores many years ago. Mom has a story for me there. Six years we would be taught you need to smile at your customer. You need to greet your customer. Uh, they used to call it GSTY. I can't remember the why, what it meant. I've forgotten. G GSTY, you greet your customer. You smile at your customer. So that is what the world does there. But when we come to church here, what are we doing? Are we having certain things that we can show that we are sons of God? 
Uh, when we go out, we just go straight in and sit in our car. We don't greet anyone after service. And then after two weeks or after a month, we say people don't greet us. So the issue is that if people don't greet us, let's show our face in their face. Greet them if they don't greet us. Then it means we are starting, we are planting a seed in their lives. We are doing that which God has called us. We are showing affection. We are showing love. We are showing the peace that God has given us from his word. The word is bearing fruit in our lives. The last point that I want to deal with is the Father's glory bear much fruit. To the Father's glory, we must bear much fruit. John 15 verse 8 says, This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. One of the signs that we are disciples is to bear much fruit. There has to be fruit in our lives. There has to be fruit in our lives. After you've uh, qualified as a, as a clinical officer, for instance, the next thing that we expect that we want, you to, we want to see you in clinic, we want to see you doing those vitals, showing, checking us our BP, checking our, our blood sugar, and everything else that you do in the clinic there. Because that's what you are taught to do. Now, we as children of God, we are taught to bear much fruit uh, so that we may show to the world that we are his disciples. It's to the Father's glory. Uh, Matthew 28, 19, somewhere there says, we have to make all disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And this baptism is not just the water dip, uh, dipping into the water. Baptizing them is in the word of God, in the nature of Christ, in the nature of the Father, in the nature of the Holy Spirit. This is the nature that we all need to begin to have as an embodiment of who we should be called as children of God. The professions most of us belong have the Spirit of God in us. That even the Joseph who was in the place in Egypt, there was a difference as a, as, a, as a son of God. There was Daniel in Babylon. He had made a difference because God was with him. There was David in the house of Saul. He made a difference even in that place. We who are here, where are we operating from? Are we out there in the world in Babylon? There has to be a difference in the way we live. I have to show the difference as I'm a son of God. I have to show a difference that I'm saved, that I'm born again. Yes, you will be annoyed, but in your annoyance, show that you are a child of God. That in your hunger, show that you are a son of God. That in the trouble that comes to you, you do not have money. But even when you do not have money, show that you are a son of God in not having it. So there are all these things that will affect us every day that should not shock the word of God like we have read at the beginning. John 15, verse 4 to 5 says, Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. The book of Isaiah 55, 10 to 11, as I begin to conclude here, has the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth, and making bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the heater. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent. So we see that the word of God that is sent to us must bear fruit. The word of God coming to us will achieve the purpose that it has been sent to. And uh, Galatians 5.22 speaks of all the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We must begin to bear that 
even as we expose ourselves to the word of God daily. The last scripture that I have is not on your bulletin. It's the book of Isaiah 60, 15 to 19. Although you have been forsaken and hated with no one traveling through, how make you the everlasting pride and the joy of all generation. You will drink the milk of nations and be nest at the royal breast. Then you know that I, the Lord, am your savior, your redeemer, the might one of Jacob. Instead of bronze, I'll bring to you gold and silver in place of iron. Instead of wood, I'll bring to you bronze and iron in place of, of stones. I'll make peace your governor and well-being your ruler. No longer will violence be heard in your land, no ruin or destruction within your, your borders, but you call, will call you was salvation and your gates praise. The sun will no more be your light by day, nor will the brightness of the moon shine on you. For the Lord will be your everlasting light and your God will be your glory. This is where we end the message this morning and the word of God has been coming to us. We have been learning this morning on his word bearing fruit in our lives, that the word of God, like a seed planted, that we should not just merely listen to the word of God and having the form of godliness, but we must be wise putting the word of God into practice, meditating on it day and night so that we may prosper. When we do that, the Father will be glorified where we bear much fruit. Shall we pray? Our God and our Father, we are so thankful this morning even for the word that we have received as a family of God and even they that have received on how the word of God must begin to bear fruit in our lives, that we should not just be merely listeners or hearers of the word, but we must hear the word, understand it, and begin to do it so that when the word of God is done in our lives, it will bear fruit, much fruit, 30-fold, 60-fold, and even 100-fold. That this word of the Lord will remain on our lips as we meditate on it day and night. We shall be like a tree planted by the rivers that bears fruit in season. A man who's like that, whatever he does, shall prosper. This morning, may you begin to help us, O Lord, to even understand the wealthy that you have given us, that wealthy which is not relegated to the money value, but wealthy that comes from the, the things that we cannot even touch, things that we cannot explain, all the things you do to our lives which cannot be quantified in money terms. O Lord, you begin to bless us, even with those blessings, intangible blessings in our lives, the grace that sustains us every day. Lord, even as we stand even to Stand even with our Father of this house as we stand this morning. I ask everyone to stand even as we pray for him as we come to a close. Everyone could stand this morning as we whisper the prayer even to the Father of this house uh, that uh, at the front line of, uh, of, the, of the ministry is our Father who is in front and the battles that they, they face are those that are to do with the things that they go through every day. So I want to ask you that even as we uh, pray this morning that you whisper a prayer even to God about the, the situation our Father may have, uh, but that the Lord may sustain him, that the Lord may, may be able to come through even in his situation. Father, we thank you this morning. We are so thankful even for our spiritual parents, mom and, and pastor, that this morning, Lord, we want to stand, that Lord, indeed, we stand on your word. Your word is true. That that word which has been preached here, Lord, let the, that word of God 
go even in grace to be able to sustain him, to be able to strengthen him, to be able to bring him to a place where, oh God, he has total recovery. That, Lord, you, you heal him, oh God. We know that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. You came so that we may have life and have it more abundantly. Lord, we pray for your grace to abound even in this situation. That as a man who has invested so much even in the kingdom, in the lives of so many, that, Lord, you repay him even with the recompense of your grace even in his life. The Lord, may you reward him even in righteousness. That, the Lord, you may you sustain him, O oh Lord. That, the Lord, you are there, O oh God, to, to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we even ask or imagine because of your power that is work, at work in our lives. Let that power work even in the lives of our Father this morning. That, the Lord, you bless him. That, the Lord, you touch him. That, the Lord, you give him grace, the sufficiency of your grace that will abound grace upon grace. We thank you, Lord, and we bless your name this morning. Lord, let your word bear fruit even in our lives. Lord, we give you thanks and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Let's give God a mighty clap for coming this morning.